Hey Ken. Hey Ken. <laughs> hey Ken. Um, We're back. Yeah, it's good to be with you again, Ken Norton. Uh, Ken Norton is our uh, director of individual philanthropy at Lifespan, and uh, it's good to do life with you, my friend. It is. And you are Ken Fuque, CEO and leader of Lifespan Services. And we are doing this podcast to illuminate the stories of Lifespan. So we are super glad that you are joining us. We are super glad that you have clicked on this episode and are willing to listen to the awesome stories uh, at Lifespan. And today we have a very special guest. Um, Makia Jackson is a board member, uh, but also a good friend of Lifespan Services. And she's going to be joined with her husband, Jamal. And it's just a... It's well, a story it's that true. has a lot of depth. Yeah, it has a lot of depth. And it is a very true and raw story. It is... Um what parents and guardians of individuals who are differently able to go through and the battle that they have from the moment that news is published and they know that there is a different ability in their child uh, and it's it's about their life. And Makia and Jamal are just very honest and transparent and um, it's it's heart heavy, but this is a this is a story that needs to be told, Ken Norton. Definitely. And it, it does things to you as a, as a human, it does things to your heart. I experienced that while we were talking to them. Um, they have certain stories that may bring up um, some memories that you may have as parents. Um, I remember taking my kid to the hospital day three of life. And when she talked about a specific story where she's at an entrance, um, I'm pretty sure that was the same entrance that I was at. And it's just interesting to kind of be thrown into that. Um, so it's a little bit of a longer conversation, but it's a worthy one. So we hope you you get through it all um, because it's uh, it's one that needs to be shared. And so we're excited to to bring their family story to the to the limelight. And um, yeah, without further ado, let's let's jump in and hear McKee and Jamal talk about their story. All right. Well, introducing our guests for today, we have the Jacksons. Uh, introducing Makia and Jamal Jackson. Makia has been a board member at Lifespan since May 2023. So a short time here, but welcome to the Illuminate podcast to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. We're happy to be here. Definitely. And Ken Norton, I am so impressed because Jamal has his own broadcast studio. <laughs> He's got all the toys and the bells and whistles. Look at that. I came prepared. That's impressive. <laughs> it is impressive. Hey, I even Jamal, took Jamal, do you, yeah, do you do podcasting? Uh, what do you do in your studio? You know what's funny? I'm actually uh, starting up a podcast. I spoke with uh, the other Ken briefly this morning because I took it a step further. I actually contacted him because I wanted to be prepared uh, before yes. we. Uh, so I had to check the connections. <laughs> I'm that type of individual. I don't, yeah, I don't like the, um, I don't like surprises when it comes to things like this, but. Uh. Um, but yes, I actually am starting a, uh, a boxing podcast today. Right after this, actually, a uh, friend is coming to the house, and we're, we're getting uh, getting everything set up. So yes, lovely, lovely. Well, my we'll favorite boxer of all time is Ken Norton. So you should <laughs> of course. give a shout out to Ken Norton <laughs> because I'm Ken I thought, Norton. I thought you. Were I knocked out Muhammad Ken. Ali one time. You know, yeah, that, broke that his jaw, you. I believe. I think so. I think that was me. Yeah. Um, well, welcome to the podcast. Whenever we have issues, I'm going to call you because you seem to know what you're doing. So 
that's just how it's going to go. Um, but we are really excited you both are here and um, excited to hear your story. And so I just kind of want to pass the platform over to you both um, to kind of start and share. So the floor is yours. Wow. Wow. We appreciate it. Um, starting off, I will tell you, I don't know if anybody's ever truly heard our whole story. And I don't know if we've really really truly share the entire story so um we are happy to be here today we'll see how it goes um we want to share a little bit more about our experience we are a couple that had triplets we have a child with disabilities and we'd like to share a little bit more about it um the other thing that i do want to highlight is that today's october 2nd um on october 4th is actually the triplets birthday so um it's already an emotional time for us, but um, we are happy to kind of share our experience and get a little bit more deeper into what we've gone through. Well, let's say, um, well, uh, we got married young. We were married at 21 and 22 years old. And about 24, we were ready to start trying to have children. We got pregnant and found out we were having triplets, triplet boys. So we were extremely ecstatic definitely getting prepared. I think we were the youngest ones I knew to own a minivan in our 20s because we were just so prepared. Um, Unfortunately, I went into labor, active labor, at 18, 19 weeks. My body was trying to reject the triplets. Uh, It's obvious. It's pretty easy to understand. It's hard on a woman carrying three kids. Um, I was admitted into the hospital. They held the labor for a few weeks, and my triplets were born at 22 weeks and four days gestation on October 4th, 2004. Our boys' names are Xavier, Makai, and Elijah. Um, very, very strong, very, very small for those that can't even, it's hard to even think about the size of them, but Xavier was our largest. He was one pound, six ounces. Elijah was one pound, three ounces. And our son, Makai, was one pound, one ounce. Um, All of our kids were born with a lot of issues, obviously. Um, Our doctors gave gave all of our children 24 hours to live. So that's the first time we got notification of 24 hours to live for our children. There was complications at birth on top of that. So I was in a hospital as well. So imagine being 24 years old. We had three, well, my husband had to deal with three kids in intensive care unit and his wife in intensive care unit all at the same time. Um, Definitely hard times. Two of our children were born with brain bleeds, uh, Elijah and Xavier. Uh, Makai was one pound, one ounce. And even though he was the smallest, he technically was the healthiest for the healthiest you can be being a premature babies. We were an extensive um, ICU, which is like beyond ICU. Like we were beyond, we were like in the ICU back door secret, secret session to even get back there. Um, the reason why is because a lot of children there were high risk. A lot of children there only had 24 hours to live. Um, and we dealt with a lot, right? So Elijah, Xavier, and Makai went through several surgeries since we were in a hospital. Uh, long story short, the first one that passed away was Makai. And even though he was the healthiest, air quotes, he was a one pound, one ounce. One day his intestines ruptured while we were in an intensive care unit. And it's crazy because this is 2004, 2005 that we're dealing with all these issues, but I still remember it to this day. And um, my husband and I pretty much lived, we lived in a hospital. We lived in a hospital. 
Uh, we slept on floors. We slept in a parent room. Sometimes we could sleep in like behind nurses' desks. We spent every single holiday you can think of, every birthday, every single thing you can think of in the hospital. Um, I can't even imagine. I can't even talk to you about the financial strain of it because we didn't care. We were so focused on our children. We almost lost our home. Um, it, it took a lot of people to kind of help us out. Our family, our old pastor, helped us out. Church friends. We were literally that couple that had, you know, when you go like to the barbershop or the grocery store and it has like a little tin can to help this family out. That's how we made it. We literally had cans all over Charlotte and North Carolina and our church family would pick it up. And that's how we kind of survived because we were so focused on our children living in the hospital during those times. Now, back to Makai. Uh, it's crazy because I remember a lot. Um, Elijah and Xavier were both scheduled for brain surgery that week. So we had two children going into brain, their first brain surgeries because uh, we had a lot of issues with brain bleeding. And we remember we were going to like, we're still on the same floor. We're on the third floor of the hospital. And we're trying to find a parent room that night. We said goodnight to the boys, get ready for surgery the next morning. And me and my husband were walking down the hallway. And I still remember the footsteps. Somebody was running behind us. And we turned around and it was a nurse. And she said, you can't leave. Something's wrong with your son. Now, we had just walked away from him. Like, it's not even two minutes from us walking away from him. And he said, something's wrong. We think his intestines burst. So we ran back to the room, to the intensive care room, found out my son had to go into emergency surgery. So at this time, Xavier is about, I'm sorry, this is Makai. He's about 28 days old. He's about 28 days old went into emergency surgery for his intestines and they weren't able to save him. So um, within those 24 hours, my son passed away. And um, I also want to say this too. We are a young couple at the time living in Charlotte, no, no real family right around us, right? We're just trying to make it work on our own. And to be dealing with so much at that time, we're really the only person that can relate with me is this guy right here beside me. Even my parents couldn't relate. Nobody, there's nothing anybody could say to help us through these situations. Um, but my son, Makai, passed away from the intestines rupture. They tried to save him in surgery. It just, just didn't happen. Um, but the hardest thing is having a child pass away and still having two other children sitting there in a the hospital with you, right? So we had to keep it going. Um, our son, Elijah, then started having issues with um, recovering from surgery as well. He had a couple of surgeries, two brain surgeries while we were there. Um, and then a month after our son, Makai, passed away, Elijah started, his organs started to fail one by one. And we saw him pass away as well. The thing with two of our children, with Elijah and Makai, we knew um that they weren't going to make it soon. So it's a blessing that we were able to, we held both of our children till they passed away. I held them till they took their last breath. When our second child, Elijah, passed away, and he was two months old. Um, Xavier was getting ready for brain, his next brain surgery the very next morning. Um, my husband passed out. When Elijah passed away, my husband passed out, literally in the hospital. Um, it was a moment where I can, I still remember stepping over Jamal on the floor. I still remember stepping over him because um, it was surreal and I literally had nothing else to give, right? It's like we were broken. 
we were trying to keep ourselves together because we still had another child that's going through brain surgery. We lost two kids in weeks. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, Elijah then passed away. We dealt with that and then had to still get prepared for Xavier. Xavier stayed in the hospital for six months uh, right before we were ready to go. Like they finally said, we're going to release y'all. He can go home. He's healthy enough to go home. He had about, goodness, I think maybe 13 different specialists. Anything you can think of in your body that can go wrong was wrong within our three children. We've had issues with eyes, ears, nose, throat, heart, blood, head, heart, you, you name it. We had an issue with it between our three kids. Been there, done that. Um, and I remember being so excited. It was, Zay had been, Xavier, we call him Zay sometimes. He had been in the hospital for six months. So think about this again. We're literally living in a hospital for six months. We knew all the nurses. Everybody had nicknames for us. Like, that was our place. And um, they said he can go home. We just needed all the all the specialists to check him out. We had his car seat. We were so excited. We are so ready. And they look at us, and they said, Mr. and Mrs. Jackson, we got to talk to you. So what's going on? They're like, well, we think Xavier's going blind. Uh, we're going to, his retina is detaching from his eye. We're going to have to emergency left him to Duke Hospital for an emergency surgery. So, and this was the day we thought we were going home with him. So we're like, oh goodness, here we go. So we ended up going to Duke Hospital, Duke Hospitals, where they did a surgery. And um, mind you, again, we had nothing. Like we had nothing. Our lives were literally sitting beside our children and praying. That was our lives. Um, barely even eating. If you even look at pictures of us, of us from then, it's a mess. But we end up staying at the Ronald McDonald home. Uh, thank God for them. Uh, that's a lot of parents with kids with disabilities, uh, with dealing with uh, family members in a hospital that couldn't afford places to stay. Like we didn't have any money. We stayed at the Ronald McDonald house while Xavier went through his emergency surgery for his retina to be attached. And um, after that, they finally released him to go home after we got through that. But we thought we we're kind of out of the woods, but we spent literally every single month going back to the hospital for years due to some type of issue. Uh, Xavier, my surviving triplet, my Superman, we call him Superman. And the reason why we call him Superman is because he survived at least 24 surgeries. We stopped counting. Mm. We did. Yeah. And out of those 24 surgeries, about 14 of them were brain surgeries. At least, at least 14 brain surgeries. A lot of them... A lot of times um, we had to fight doctors, like argue, like defend, advocate for our child because we have Xavier, Xavier cannot walk. He cannot talk for himself. He cannot communicate. So being in a position to take care of a child that is constantly in pain and can't communicate that pain is a whole nother level of parenting a whole nother level of parenting, especially when you have to stand up to neurosurgeons, neurologists, endocrinologists, you name it. They try to tell you what the school books say, but you know something's wrong with your child. Um, out of those surgeries, Xavier got, we were told th on three separate occasions that Xavier had three had 24 hours to live, three separate occasions. Uh, the worst one was on a Mother's Day on a Mother's Day. He was admitted into the hospital, a lot of projectile vomiting, um, just a lot of unanswered questions. Nobody could answer questions for us. Nobody knew what was going on. And all we can say, nothing but the grace of God uh, that's brought Xavier through everything that he's gone through. 
uh, it's hard to grieve your loss of your children, not once, but twice. But then while you're still taking care of a child that's going through stuff. So um, that's a big bulk of what we've gone through. Um, and uh, we just been trying to make it ever since, you know, and make sure that Xavier gets everything he needs. He's our king. He's our everything. And uh, that's pretty much like the big story of the, of the triplets. Are they actual triplets? Yeah. Hey, Makia and Jamal, I just want to say thank you for being so vulnerable in that those last few minutes and sharing that story. Because I know that there are other parents that um, are facing that swirling dervish, that chaos, um, the medical industry, and you're always having to fight. But thank you. Thank you. And, and as I listen to that, um, I thought of the word strength. I thought of the word warrior. Uh, I thought of the word stamina. I am looking at a super powerful couple here who have been warriors for their children. A few seconds ago, you said that they told you that Xavier would not live. How many years ago was that? That would be 19 on October the 4th, which is his birthday. He'll be on 19. 19 years ago. Yes. So you got a 19-year-old son in a couple days. Yes, yes, he'll be 19. He'll be 19. So the first time uh, was obviously when they were born. They told us 24 hours from then. Uh, the second time was sometime in the NICU. But the third time, it's crazy. I actually just told a friend of mine the story the other day, and uh, I'll share it with you all. Uh, it's probably my most scariest moment as a mother. I will tell you that. So... Remember the day Xavier was getting therapy services at the home, uh, OTPT speech. And at the time was our OT therapist, Jennifer. And let's say she usually comes on Thursdays, right? Comes in house on Thursday. I was staying at home. I was working. I took care of Xavier at the time. That was it. Jamal was the only one working. And um, I remember the therapist called me. She said, Makia, can we reschedule for Saturday? I know I don't normally do therapy on Saturday, but I can't make it this week. Can we do Saturdays? Sure. Not a problem. Um, that Saturday at our home at the time, I remember we had like a balcony upstairs and that's where we did all Xavier's therapy sessions, right? I'm doing dishes and I could hear Jennifer tell Xavier, Xavier, you sound tired. You seem tired. Why do you keep yawning? She's talking to my son and she comes downstairs. She's Miss Jackson. I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up ser services today. I don't feel like Xavier's really into it. I said, okay, he's probably just tired. And, uh, we had already planned, I'd already planned to go visit a friend of ours that was in a hospital that was giving birth. She's having a baby. I said, me and Xavier are going to come see you on Saturday while Jamal's at work. So after therapy, I put Xavier in a car and we're driving to the hospital to see our friend. And we didn't even make it out the parking lot, out of our neighborhood parking area. Because I remember I pulled over at the pool area. And the reason why I pulled over is because my son was projectile vomiting in the back of the seat. Xavier's like, just throwing up, throwing up. We're like 30 seconds from the house. So I pull the car over, jump in the back seat, and I look at him. And I said, something's wrong. And I remember that instance, I, was trying, I had to make a decision. Do I call the ambulance or do I hightail it to the hospital? In my mind, I was already on the way to the hospital. And to this day, I've never drove so fast in my entire life. Thank God, because I feel like God put me on top of some type of wings or a jet because I floated over Independence. I just remember how fast I got to the hospital. And I got to the hospital at the time, and uh, we would always go to Levine to see Xavier. And at the time where the parking was, it had like the 
things that go up and down to get into the, the, into the uh, parking lot, into the parking deck. lot yeah. deck. And there was a car in front of me and I looked back at my son and he was blue. My son was not breathing. And I parked the car, left it running, grabbed my child and ran screaming into the parking lot, screaming through the parking lot into the hospital, saying my child can't breathe. I remember the security guard right at the front and he starts screaming, cold blue through his microphone, through the whatever. And they grabbed me, they grabbed my son and they took him to the back. And I'd already called my husband. He's on the way there from work and they take him away from me. Take him away from me. I'm losing my mind in the in the hallway. The doctor comes out and he comes to bring me in there. And he says, "Jackson, your son probably had two more minutes to live. Like you made the right decision to come here." And I still remember that instance where I had her and sat there and I thought about it. Like, what do I do? What what do I do? Two minutes could have changed our entire lives. Um, Xavier ended up being admitted into the hospital. That was Mother's Day weekend. That was Mother's Day. It was Saturday. Mother's Day weekend. Mother's Day was the next day. Um, they put him in intensive care unit. They thought he had MRSA. They intubated him. Uh, I remember them calling the therapist to find out she traveled. Nobody knew what was going on with my child. Nobody knew. Uh, and at the same time, my grandmother, I remember that weekend, my grandmother had passed away. My family was in Georgia burying my grandmother. And I had to call my parents and say, hey, I know you're in Georgia, but I need you to come here because Xavier's not going to make it. He, they gave us 24 hours to live. So my parents literally had to put my grandmother in a grave. We couldn't be there because my kid was sick and come up to Charlotte, North Carolina with us. And I remember staring at our son. We just sat in a room, just staring at him, staring at him. Um, the crazy thing was that weekend there was a big, accident in Charlotte, a big accident. And um, someone else's child was killed in an accident and somebody else was like hurt. And those, that family was staying beside us, basically an intensive care unit. And I remember people coming in our room, getting me confused with the person next door saying, I'm sorry for your loss. And it broke my heart because my child was still alive. <laughs> my child was still alive. Um, but that was just a confusion. But um God is bigger than all things. And uh, my son extubated himself the next morning. He pulled his own trach out and nobody knows what happened. The doctors couldn't explain it. Nobody could. But my son woke up, Xavier woke up the next day and was like, I'm over it. Take me home. And uh, after a couple of days of observation, we ended up going home with no explanation, with none. But my baby made it. So another reason why he is Superman. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. Um, hmm. It does take your words, doesn't it, Ken Norton? Yeah, it's like I mean, you, it just um, feels like we're in the space of greatness here. That Jamal and Makia and Xavier. Uh, thank you. I do remember a few months ago, Makia, you showed me some pictures of graduation. Ah, yes, yes. Yes, graduation and prom. Uh, we, he is uh, very well taken care of. I'll tell you that. He is our everything. Xavier's our everything. Anybody who sees him, meets him, um, is blessed to be in his presence. And Ken, honestly, we hear a lot about us being strong and um I don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to accept that, quite honestly. It is just one of those things that 
Uh, we just believe that God put us in a situation and kind of deal what we need to deal with. And uh, our children have been a blessing to us, right? They made us who we are. Xavier is the strongest person I've ever met in this entire world, right? And he is our inspiration for everything. And once you've gone through what we've gone through, um, even like the death of our children, not once, but twice, even it's hard for me to even, it's hard for me to even deal with that concept and understanding that what we went through, because it was so fast. And quite honestly, because of that, we never really got to grieve like we really should have and wanted to, right? Because it was just so fast how everything happened. It was, we're pregnant. We're so, so happy. We're pregnant. Oh, it's triplets. Whoa. That's more than we expected, but we're ready for, we're ready for it. And then it's like, oh no, they're sick. Then not here, and then not here, and then medical issues, and medical issues, and medical issues, medical issues, right? Our main thing was trying to make sure that we stayed close together because while we're in this world, we were introduced to other families dealing with kids with disabilities, with issues in a NICU. Every all of our friends were friends from the hospital, you know, and we saw a lot of couples that didn't make it because this is another level of stress that others nobody. Nobody can understand this at all. And again, like I tell people, I call my mom for everything, but this is the one time my mom couldn't help. You know, nobody knows what to say when you're going through these things, you know, and you don't know how to deal with these emotions. And then it it's about how it plays into your day-to-day, your overall, who you are as a person, how you deal with things, how you handle things. Because, uh, I mean, just to be honest, I mean, we definitely, it tested our relationship with God during that time too, Right. We were, why us? Why my children? Why this? Why now? Why aren't you here with us? Why why did you do this to us? There was a whole lot of that, right? There was a whole lot of that and going through those emotions too. Um, But then also realizing that God has a bigger plan, uh, a greater plan for us. And everything, as cliche as it sounds, everything happens for a reason. It really, really does. I don't know who I would be as a person if I didn't have Xavier in my life. So I was going to ask Makia and Jamal, what is, what do you think are some lessons that you've learned through this process? Or maybe what's the greatest lesson that uh, Xavier has taught you? The greatest lesson. Mm. To fight. I don't, I, you know, Xavier's resilience is the big, biggest thing for me, right? For him to bounce back from everything he's gone through. It's kind of like when you see your child go through these type of this type of adversity and it's these type of barriers, it's kind of you look at yourself and the problems you go through, and you're like, I don't have anything to complain about. What do I have to complain about, right? Eight. Nothing is as serious as trying to make sure your child is breathing every day, you know, and it really puts our life into perspective and the things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis and what's really serious and what you really value, you know? So I feel like Xavier's put us through situations where uh, we didn't realize how tough we could be, you know, and how tough he really is. And we see again, like the things he's been through and, uh, and he can still put a smile on his face. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And one thing that I want to say that, that, that we got out of the situation that we learned from Xavier is is to keep fighting because through everything that went on for 19 years, he kept fighting. He kept fighting. And, and that, like she said, that's inspiration for all of us, especially me, because if he can get through 
15 plus brain surgeries, we can get through a bad day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's what I, I took away from that. Just to keep fighting because you, you live to fight another day. And that's, like I said, it sounds cliche, but that's, that's completely true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Superman has some siblings mm-hmm. now. He does. He does. He has uh, two, two sisters. sisters. Yep, eleven and eight. Simone um, and Bailey. Yep. They are. They are everything. You know. And again, everything happens for a reason. Because if we had the three boys, probably yeah. <laughs> probably would have kept going. Where would have kept going? Yeah, that was definitely going to be it. <laughs> um, but you know, God had other plans. And now he has two little sisters that do a great job with helping out with him as well. So let me ask you about that. Jamal mm-hmm. and Makia, I talk to a lot of parents and they, they're apprehensive about how much expectation they can put on the sibling mm-hmm. of their child who is differently Ooh. abled. And they chat about that. And sometimes folks don't want to talk about it, but let's how are you girls? It. Yeah, let's talk about it, Makia. Let's talk about it. Okay, so there's a few things, right? So as a mom, I'll tell you what I struggled about. I struggled, even though, um, and this is after losing my children, right? Exa- uh, after losing Elijah and Makai, uh, there was a lot going on with us as far as mentally, emotionally, as you can imagine. Uh, like I said, there was some anger that was going on and there was, I don't want to use jealousy, but why me, right? So like little things would make me cry. Let's say I was driving by and I would see a mom standing with her kid at the bus stop. That cry- made me cry. Uh, my friend saying, oh, I just got my kid a Happy Meal. That made me cry. My child can't, Xavier can't walk. He can't talk. He can't chew. There's none of that he can do, right? So I felt that I missed out on, I hate to say normal parenting. I hate to even say that, but on typical motherhood, right? There's a lot of experiences I couldn't have with Xavier. Jamal can have Xavier. Like we were like, oh, we won't be able to play basketball with our sons in our front yard, things like that. And, you know, we, we, it was a lot of talking with God and we said, well, look, if Xavier can stay out of the hospital for like six months, like just six months, we'll try again. We want to have a child. We want to have a child, another child. And, um, God was like, all right, cool, cool. He gave us six months. It was like, all right, Jamal, let's, let's try to have another baby. We had, we got pregnant and I swear we got pregnant like on Tuesday, Xavier went back in the hospital on Thursday. I was like, goodness gracious. Right. I thought, I thought it was a trick. Um, and we dealt with those issues or what have you, but then Simone was born. Now I will tell you, we were nervous when we were pregnant with Simone. Uh, we had complications with that pregnancy as well. And we went through genetic testing and all this other stuff. And the doctors told us, Hey, I was about six months pregnant. Like, yeah, we think she's going to have spina bifida. And I was depressed the entire pregnancy. I was like, oh, goodness, it's me. Uh, You know, we just had three children with disabilities, lost two. I'm pregnant and they're telling me I'm having another child with spina bifida, another child with disabilities. I cried the entire pregnancy. I was probably, I was depressed the entire pregnancy. Then I was nervous about my child coming out depressed because I cried the entire pregnancy. And God took care of us again. And Simone was born and she was perfect. She went full term. Full term. She was, oh my God, she was nine pounds. Yeah, she was huge. She was perfect. And the doctors literally came, she came out and the doctor's like, oh, my bad. She's good. 
Thanks. <laughs> I just cried for six months straight. Right? Oh, well, my bad. <laughs> Our bad. Something must have happened with the blood work. Um, but the great thing is God made her. She's exceptional. She's one of those kids. She's good at everything she does. But God knew that we needed somebody that was self-servant, like developed quickly, things like that. And she was emotionally intelligent to understand her brother's situation. Wow. Okay. So Simone helped us out tremendously, tremendously. And then later we decided let's try again. Simone needed needed somebody to play with. And we had one more and that was Bailey. And uh, Bailey's eight years old now and she's the most caring. And one thing I will tell you, it's difficult, right? We've had a lot of conversations with our children, right? Um, I like to tell people I had three only children because each of them want to act like they're our only child all the time sometimes. <laughs> but um they understand her brother's situation. We've sat down and talked to them about it and they understand how we feel about Xavier, right? And it's the whole family is here to support him. And because of that, we make sure our daughters don't go without for anything. There's nothing that they go without, but they understand our family dynamic is here to support our son. Uh, my daughters are, could be a pharmacist tomorrow. They know his medications. His, they speak to him like we do. They could they know everything about their brother and they love him to death. So it's that piece, but we also make sure that they get their time. That's why I say I act like sometimes they're their only children because we make sure that we have time to focus on them to do things they love to do. Uh, we do make sure that we have family activities and they know that we are here to support Xavier too. So we are a unit and we act as a unit and that's how we how we make it. So to kind of answer that question, Ken, we do advocate for siblings helping out when they can understand, uh, you know, what, what needs to be done. And it, it makes, and the thing what it does too, because now they have an open heart for children with disabilities. Yes. So they understand, you know, a lot of times when you walk, you, most kids they see and they stare at, a, at someone, a child in a wheelchair, yep. or they say, they, they, not, not, not our kids, because yep. they understand, they smile, they're friendly, and, and, that's, and that helps. And that helped, and that uh, because of Xavier, and that's what we wanted. Mm-hmm. And they do not play about their brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's at true. all. <laughs> I met a parent the other night at one of our day programs, and her son is now in his mid forties. And she said, "I've spent my whole life trying to get people to understand he's okay. They don't have to be afraid of him. Right? It's mm-hmm. just there's so." Talk to me about misconceptions. What would you like to say to other people? I mean, Jamal, um, you just mentioned that. So what do we say? Yeah. So a lot of times, too, when we used to take Xavier out, kids would say, look, Mommy, he's sick. And that used to that used to just, oh, she used to get infuriated with that. But that's what you kind of want to um, have the, uh, the parents take into consideration. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong with any child with any disabilities whatsoever whatsoever they're just like uh another child the regular kid is just like you said physically or verbally they just can't do what other kids can do um so we we just like to uh he's nice um there's a lot of ignorance out there i will tell you there's ignorance not even from the children but from adults Mm. and uh i'll tell y'all a quick story and uh still on my heart years years later Uh. So uh, when we got married young, right? So we were young. We were going through all these issues young. Our sons, we were about 24 years old when this happened. And our neighbor at the time, 
uh, was a, she was a retired social worker from New York and she met us. She's almost like an auntie type of vibe, you know, um, relationship. And we ended up moving away during a pregnancy and all of that. And I ran into her at Food Line, a food line in Charlotte a couple years later. And Xavier was about one and a half, two, he's probably about two at the time. And he was in the car. Now, mind you, Xavier is very, very small at this age, right? So that's the other thing. So he's born at one pound, six ounces. So it took a, he was very, very small for a long time. So just think about that. And uh, we're in a grocery store and Xavier's sitting up front. I got, he used to wear a helmet. And I ran to her old neighbor, and it's an older woman. She's about in her 60s, and she used to work in social services. So keep that in mind for New York. So she comes up to me. She's like, oh, my God, Mickey, I haven't seen you in so long. Right as soon as you walk in the food line, she's like, I haven't seen you in so long. Is this your son? I'm like, yeah, this is Xavier. And she looks at him, and she goes, oh. And she leans over to me, and she goes, well, you know, um, there's homes for him. Like, you can like send him to home and just have another child and try again. And it was the worst encounter I've ever had in my entire life. It broke my heart for someone to stand there and basically tell me my child was almost like a defect and return them and just try and do better. And, uh, you know, I'm usually very quick with words. I am. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wasn't still, I don't know what to say, uh, we never talked to her again. I remember calling yeah, him yeah. so upset Wish in a car. Was. Like, I was like, she basically told me to get my baby away and try again. Like, who even thinks like that? I said, is this what, and that was my first thought into the world. Like, this is how they're going to think of my yeah. child? Like, what? And mind you, she was in social services field industry. Um, so, yeah. So, ever since then, that's where I was like, oh, no. This, this is, it ain't happening. Yeah. He is my everything. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was one of those experiences. Yeah. One of those experiences. But, uh, yeah, you you deal with a lot as parents. You do. And it's just, um, I'm just, we're just, we're, we're grateful. I just put it like that. So, even though we encounter situations like that, we never let it really bother us because when you look at, Xavier and what he's been through, it it really makes everything better. Like his smile changes everything. It's amazing. Everything. So, you know, it's just something that we have to deal with. I wish there was a little bit more awareness for uh, adults and children in regards to uh, right. uh, individuals with disabilities. But you know, in in due time, I guess. In due time, and organizations like Lifespan. Exactly. And so, thank you both yes. for partnering with Lifespan and. For giving of your time, talent, and resources for the mission here, that is our work, which yeah. is to create awareness and to be person-centered thinking and um, refer to human beings as human beings and exactly. see their inherent humanity. Uh, they are not the least, the last, and the lost. So let's bring them to the center. Agreed. And that's what we work to do. If we could I all be it. like them, I tell you. And I mean, that's the number one reason why we're at Lifespan, because... One, is this life is hard. This life is very, very hard to deal with. And not only is it hard, not too many people understand this mm-hmm. life. Even those that are in this life are still trying to understand and figure it out. So it's hard to help each other when we're trying to help ourselves. I'll tell you that. Um, and organizations like Lifespan, this is the only way we can make it as parents. 
right? As providing for your child, giving them the resources they need to succeed, to be the best they can. And it's honestly like, all I really want is my child to be healthy and happy. And I don't mean that there's no other way to take that. I don't, he doesn't need any other degrees. He doesn't need any of that. Can I make him smile? And is he healthy? That is our only focus on this earth. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That is beautiful. Right. Mr. Norton. I feel like I've just been listening um, half because I don't know what to say. And I think there's like a, sometimes I get in these circles where I don't want to not say anything or just, I don't know. I think just listening to it, there's a resolve to your family that is um, totally unique. And there's been moments that obviously you spoke about that God is uniquely intertwined with your story. And um, to me, I think that's just, a gift that you've given us, you've given me to be able to just hear that and to remind myself that that can happen. Um, My biggest thing I want to know, honestly, is what makes him smile the most. You guys have mentioned his smile. That is like the theme when it comes to him. What makes him smile the most? (laughs) Well, ironically, as you look around, he loves music. Mm -hmm. Uh, Music was a way uh, that, that we actually got him to calm down early in his years. Uh, he used to go to sleep with a CD player, just looped uh, overnight uh, for years. Music, and he likes it loud. I, I, I don't know where he got that from. But, uh, <laughs> but he likes loud music, and and he, he, he feels the rhythm of the music. And he, he'll, he'll, he'll sway back and forth, and it, it calms him down. That makes him smile. Uh, he is very ticklish too. So, um, so yeah. So if we know if he's having a bad day, because he'll have you know behavioral episodes, and we just know there's several ways we can get to calm him down yeah. through music, uh, uh, the phone, internet. But then also he's very ticklish. Yeah, and um, it's his world, right? So yeah. like you know, when he's here, he's the king of the world. He really is. So who doesn't like being the king of the world? Yeah. Uh, when you got your mom and dad, your sister's like groveling over you like every, every five yeah, seconds. Everybody waits on you. Like, you all know. we do is tell him how handsome and beautiful he is all the time. And uh, <laughs> he eats it up. But uh, yeah, that that's what is. That's makes him smile. Of course, mom. Mom, she's, he's 19. He's 19. I'm just going to say 19. And she still treats him like he's not much. My baby. He is and my baby. She'll cut him with him. She And he's almost taller than her but they'll be cuddled up on the couch together. He's like, get that grown man out your lap. I'm like, never, never. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, his fears coming in and it's, 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 oh, it's mommy's, funny. It is, it is. Mommy's boy. Yeah, she still try to, tries to cradle him. Like, it's not going to change. It's, yeah. it's not going to change. Like he's not a baby, but I, I, don't, I never win that battle, so I just stop. But I think <laughs> the thing with Zay is he 100% knows how much he's loved. Yeah. And uh, that is felt throughout the home. Uh, we make sure that we spend time with him, do things for him. Uh, the girls take care of him uh, as well. They're like, hey, we're going to take Zay for a walk. Let's roll in the neighborhood. Okay. You know, he gets as much attention as we can possibly give him. And uh, he he's a rock in our family. He really, really yeah. is. He really yeah. is. So. Uh, you both inspire me. I'm grateful. Jamal, you used the word grateful just a few minutes ago. Yes, sir. But I'm grateful to get to know people like you who changed the world and Xavier 
who changed the world. And thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Oh, wow. We appreciate we it. Appreciate thank you for it. being a warrior. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we try to like help others that are mm. in the situation to, uh, like I said, we met a lot of people, unfortunately, in the hospitals uh, through services like Lifespan and what have you, just in this world, right? And uh, it's a lot to navigate through this world, right, as parents. And it's one aspect of having a child and keeping them healthy and happy. But then the other aspect is getting them what they need in life. And that is probably the the biggest bulk of our work is making sure Xavier has what he needs. And that is honestly the hardest part, not keeping him alive and breathing, but giving him what he needs to survive is the hardest part of this lifestyle. Well, I know we are um, probably wrapping up here, which is hard because it's, there's so many parts of your story that I feel like we could, um, that I still want to press into just as a human to human um, to hear more just about how you do this as parents. I think as a parent with a young kid, um, I want people like you to speak wisdom and life um, mm. into me. And I, I would, whatever you would say how to do this thing called life, I would, I would listen to whatever you two have to say <laughs> um, because I think you're probably walking with a lot more wisdom than most. Um, and you'd be a resource and a blessing to a lot of people. Um, last well, final thoughts just for you both. A lot of people have been a blessing to us too, Ken. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. 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 And now that, we, you know, now that we've been through this experience, we are actually now that resource for other, other uh, parents that go through this. Uh, yeah. Because we, we come in contact with people um, all the time when, when uh, you know, the child has been diagnosed with uh, like uh, autism or, or anything. And we're actually with the first ones that they come to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 that and that's fine. That's because again, like she said, when we were going through this, no one was we there. Had like we had no one. So to be that rock that people lean on, you know, it makes us feel great. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And I just want those out there real quick because uh, one of the hardest things with dealing with kids like this is uh, they're like on a lot of medication, right? And just like if you and I take medication, different medication has side effects and issues, right? And uh, when you have a child on a lot of medication that can't speak and communicate, that is the hardest thing to deal with. You literally, I know every nook and crane, every single thing about my son. Every, if any bump shows up, anything, you have to be aware. And there's been times, I'll tell you just real quick, my son was on this one medication and the medication had him in such a bad mood swing. I remember being at work crying because I didn't want to come home because it made him violent and behavioral issues, like hurting me. Like he didn't know who we were. And I'm calling the doctor's like, well, you need to be on this medication. This is the medication you need. And thank God I was on a social uh, Facebook group uh, for kids with cerebral palsy, parents with kids with cerebral palsy, mental retardation, what have you. And I said, hey, my son's on this medication. What are your thoughts? And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, Makia. Oh, this is the issues. These are the issues. Blah, blah, blah. You need to tell your doctor this. And I called my doctor. I was like, what? This is what I'm here. I need to get my child some medication. And he finally listened and got us on a new medication. And we didn't have to deal with some issues, but it's it's a complete turnaround. But then dealing, I just tell you guys this: when you have a child that's already got significant disabilities, and then behavior issues, and then almost like doesn't really know who you are, is almost hurting you. It is a 
different type of parenting, right? You got to remember who you are, why you're here, and to get them through these humps. And not only that, there's plenty of times I've had to, like I mentioned it before, the doctors don't know everything. You know your child. That is the biggest thing I have to tell everybody. You know your child. I can read a CAT scan better than any neurologist in this country. I swear to you, I can. I know everything. I know my son's ventricle size in his brain. I know every single thing about him because I know my child. You can't tell me when and where my child needs help. I can tell you that. You need to listen. And uh, as a parent, you step up for your child. You make that happen. Even when it comes down to the services they need, wheelchairs, PT, OT, speech, Unfortunately, everything under Medicaid, the government, things like that, it changes all the time. That's why you need services like like Lifespan. That's why I'm on the board with Lifespan so I can even understand what's going on because they make it too difficult for parents to figure it out. They do, they do, they do, and they change the rules in the middle of the game. Mm -hmm. And not only that, they say no 20 times before they say yes. Yes. Do not, do not. Don't give up. Give up. Get your child what they it's a, it's a fight need. but it's a fight worth winning so yes do not give up and it will be the hardest fight you fight and you will continue <laughs> to fight it so at 19 years old we're as a matter of fact i got some emails to send fighting. when we get off this call <laughs> but uh, still fighting yes get your child what they need yeah hmm. well yeah. well we appreciate you both um thanks for sharing and being vulnerable with your story um it's definitely a blessing to us and and hopefully this podcast and your story can can also continue in that to be a resource for people to advocate for parents. Ken, as, as they share that to me, I'm just like, how do we as lifespan, I'm sure Makia, I mean, and Jamal, you both can add into this. How does we as, how do we as an organization continue to grow and develop in that to be the resource, to be just a helping hand, to be whatever a parent or anyone needs in the moment. Um, gosh, I, I would I, I don't know. I, I want to take that to the next level, just listening to it. Cause it's like, how do we continue to find those parents? Cause everyone normally you hear about that's a, there's a similar sentiment in that they felt alone. They felt isolated. Well, what if they didn't, what if there was enough people, enough awareness, enough, what, it, whatever it yeah. may be to, to bring awareness, to answer questions. I think that would be a, a beautiful response. Um, and a, and a gift to people that we just need to t- continue to take to the next level. So, I don't know. It's yeah. a big beast to have, especially when you talk about the government changing. I listened to Christopher do that with the parent that meeting. Part. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, like how do how does anybody deal with that? It seems just super overwhelming yeah. to an already isolating thing. Um, so hopefully we as an organization continue to take those next steps to, you know, yeah. do that. Because if that's what parents need, then yeah shout out to lifespan you you all are already on on the right path you know and just providing opportunities for kids i know i was on a call with lifespan last week or so and we showed uh older kids about 18 19 and they got their first job and had an advocate to go to their job with them you know at kfc things like that that makes my heart smile you know giving these children the opportunity to be in this day-to-day life uh being support for the families because when I tell you, it's a lot emotionally. There's a lot of questioning of God. There's a lot of questioning of faith. A lot of questioning, are you built to even handle this situation, right? Uh, and it's a lot on There's times I've cried. There's, there's a lot of times I've cried. There's a lot of times he's cried. It's, and it's different things. There's different triggers. Anything can be a trigger. Yeah. So it's uh, 
it's a lot, but it's about being connected with the right people, people going through things and making sure that you understand that you're not alone. And I hate to even say this, but it could always be worse because no matter what, even though we've shared our story, what we've gone through, there's times we look at other people like, oh man, this could have been way worse than what we even dealt with. So everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. And thank you both for sharing yours today. And I do hope, and I do believe that uh, the people in power, the legislators, can hear this story. We intend to send it to them. They need to meet Makia and Jamal and Xavier yes. and the girls. Yes, they yes, need to hear yes. your story. So Lifespan yes. will be part of that advocacy as well. Great. We appreciate it. We appreciate everything Lifespan is doing and continues to do for our community, for our children and adults, because, again, it's well needed, well needed. And there's so much more runway we need to cover to make sure our people have exactly what they need to be healthy and happy in this life. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here and um, appreciate you both. Anytime. We appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for letting us share our story. No problem. Ken Norton, too. You have my number and email. So whenever you, I know you mentioned uh, about the individual that wanted yeah. to record. Yeah, just let me know. Just uh, I'll, I'll text you, too. I'm, I'm excited to continue our relationship as well. And um, yeah. yeah, thank you for both for sharing and um, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Illuminate. Lifespan Services is a nonprofit for impact organization based in Charlotte, North Carolina. We exist to illuminate the abilities of children and adults with disabilities by providing education, employment, and enrichment opportunities to live, work, and play in their communities. We are actively seeking partners to join us in this mission to ensure every individual with IDD receive the resources they need to flourish. If you want to make an impact right now, you can give financially on our website at lifespanservices.org. There, you will also find opportunities to volunteer with us or even join our team and work alongside the individuals every single day. Thank you for listening. And more importantly, thank you for being a part of this with us.